Selling it. Welcome into this week's episode of the Young Dad Podcast. I'm Jay, and not with us today is co-captain of the ship, A.A. Ron. He got wrapped into a family thing that he didn't even know about right before it was time to go tonight. So, we are joined with our guest of the evening, Nick. Nick, how the heck are you, man? I'm good, man. Hanging out on the West Coast. We had some good weather finally today, so can't complain. West Coast. Some say best coast, but we live here, so we know. <laughs> no, the weather's been great out on this side, finally, especially in California. You guys kind of got rid of the rain finally, huh? Yeah, I keep telling everybody I, I pay these high taxes as a weather tax, and then it rains for what felt like 40 days straight. I'm pretty sure it did. Like, isn't Lake <laughs> Mead, like, filled back up again? Uh... All I know is the drought is down to like 8% of the state, where it was like Dang. 80% of the state. Yeah, it was crazy. It was up there. So I guess yeah, it's so a good if you're thing. Not, yeah, if you're not familiar with the West Coast, um, California doesn't get snow except up in the high mountains and like desert areas, but they can get rain and they've gotten a lot of rain while everywhere else has been getting snow. Um, still into late March. Like Idaho still getting snow, Colorado, all these places still getting snow. Yeah, I'm over it though. I'm ready I'm for some sunshine. Over all the cold weather, bring it on. All right. Well, now that we talked about the weather, uh, <laughs> welcome into the show, everybody. Nick, go ahead and tell us a little bit about you here. You know, the intro said that Bluey's dad wants to be you, and <laughs> you know, just I gave the people a little introduction of you in the intro, but. You tell us about you and a little bit about what you do and why you do it. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm a dad, just like most of your listeners, I'm sure. Um, love, love being a dad. Um, document a lot of it on my Instagram at dadding greatly. Um, dadding with two D's. Um, I have a nine year old son, six year old daughter. Um, yeah, they're at a good, they're at a pretty good sweet spot right now where my son is really starting to take like an athletic hold on things and starting mm. to show just like this crazy athletic, I, I, I don't want to go overboard and say prowess, but man, he's at nine, Ability. he's already better than I am. And right. my daughter's in this like really lovey-dovey, like she told me today I'm her soulmate. <laughs> Oh, it's oh, she's just freaking adorable. So this, I'm I'm in like the, the sweet spot of life right now. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, it's so cool when they're especially when daughters they get around five six because their whole little like love chart is all developed in their heads. Yeah, you know, well that's kids in general, but for girls it's awesome. My daughter's five, and like she has her whole little love chart and like who she loves, who she doesn't love when she doesn't love them. Um, I'm one of those people already. <laughs> Um, when she gets in trouble, I don't love you, but no, it's, that's a sweet spot. And, you know, I saw your pictures that you posted with your, with your son the other day, you know, five straight opening days, it looks like. Yeah. So we have a little, uh, opening day baseball tradition. Uh, we're a big baseball family. He, like I said, he's just so stupid good at baseball already. Um, and we just kind of started this little opening day tradition five years ago. Snapped a little selfie mode, him in his jersey, me in my matching hat. I buy the hat or I get the hat if I coach. Got it, um, definitely. And we just kind of, 
unknowingly kept it rolling and then i think last year it was like all right this is a this is a tradition we have to keep it now so gotta keep going this year got a little wonky our opening day got rained out and then our <laughs> first two games got rained out oh dang. uh so we finally had our first game this last saturday and we were so caught up in like just finally getting out there and getting to play that afterwards it was like an hour later and I, I was running an errand and I called back to the house and I was like wait 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 don't let him take his uniform off we got to do the tradition wait. so so no, he's I'm like oh right. come on I want to change dad you're killing me so uh no that's awesome I'm going into my second year I'm also a big baseball family as the listeners know I mean hence the ball boy media and everything I post over there on the website but you know, going to my second year with my oldest in T-ball. And um, she loves it. She has so much fun playing. I love coaching her, coaching coaching her teams. I coached last year and whatnot. And I have the exact same photo as you from last year. Nice. Um, the opening day doesn't come for us for a couple more weeks because we're the lowest level. But um, it's a ton of fun. It's so much fun, you know, taking these pictures, remembering those memories and it's so much fun to see him grow and develop athletically. Like my daughter last year, she just, there's some things that she's still working on. Obviously. I mean, she's right. five. I put her in T-ball a second year for a reason, mm-hmm. um, which I think all parents should, you know, if your kid's not there yet and you know where the other kids are at that level, normally you need to hold them back, you know, hold them back so that they have fun playing still. Oh, absolutely. Um, agree that's super important but even this year you know she's taken just just naturally she hits off a tee and now she's just not rolling over on it it's actually getting some distance and the other parents on the team she's the only girl on the team this year uh last year we had two girls but this year she's the only girl and the other parents at practice the other day were like wow she hits so well whoa she's really good at hitting and i was just like you know coach's kid whatever right well a little, a little like, proud you know little little pop collar uh pop there yeah, yeah she's you know, pretty good. I wonder who's her coach. Um, I don't know if it's coaching or genetics or both. Probably both, honestly. <laughs> I mean, you know. But no, that's it's so awesome to see just them develop. I mean, nine, he's probably playing what, like minors? Some level in minors now, right? Yeah, so here it's uh, it's AAA. Um, okay, yep. So this is the first full year of kid pitch. Last year was a little weird. It was like there was no walks. So if a pitcher, a kid pitcher got to four balls, then the coach would come in and kind of finish out strikes. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. So if he got to like a four, one count, he would get two balls pitched to him. Um, You know, as many strikes as you had left and that was it. You hit those or you're out. And this year it's like Um, real baseball, like kids pitch. There's lots of walks. So we lost our season opener eleven to ten, and we actually no hit the other team. We Wait, just <laughs> we just walked them that many times. Yeah, I think it's teaching a kid to pitch is hard. Like teaching kids like how to like pitch. Yeah, at any age is hard. Like I coached my first year coaching was in Arizona. So my daughter was like two, two or three, and I was teaching the not teaching. I was coaching the oldest level of kids. Like, these are, like, junior hires, like, mm-hmm. some kids that didn't make the freshman team at the high school were at this level, and they just, the reason I got put at this spot is because I, I pitched, you know, all the way through high school, 
got recruited to pitch D3 before an elbow injury, so I know how to pitch. Mm-hmm. And start if they want to learn how to pitch, start start them early. Like we start ours like I want to say ours started like seven or eight is when the kids start pitching here in our league. Okay. And they just pitch. You know, there's no coach that comes in. They just pitch and they learn how to pitch and they get their reps and they get the throws and at that level, everyone's going to pitch because you have pitch counts. Yeah. And yep. It's it's fun. It's, it's part of it. It's fun. Losing's part of it. For sure. Yeah. Pitching's so. challenging though. It's uh, we've watched every single one of our pitchers uh do this weird regression thing where they all throw really hard, and if they're playing catch, they'll hit a guy right in the chest, glove in the glove in the chest. But then you get them pitching, and it's like they suddenly start doing this. I'm not just playing catch with the catcher anymore. I'm I'm doing this weird aim thing, and it's like shot putty, and it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> just throw like you throw. But yeah, they get in their exactly. head, and they start to. It's it's this whole concept of aiming for an imaginary box that just completely messes them up. Exactly. It's it's hard because that's exactly what you hear. That's what we heard when we were kids. You know, you're just playing catch with the catcher. Yep. I still did that in high school where I would warm up and, you know, I'd be hitting him in the chest during warm-ups. He would slowly crouch down a little bit, a little bit, and i keep hitting him, keep hitting him, and then all of a sudden I'm actually pitching and it was downhill. There was one time I got – I didn't get to go into a game – when I was warming up because when my catcher crouched, I was so all over the place. I didn't get put into the game. Oh, brutal. That was rough. Yeah. But then we lost that game and it was like, well, guess it didn't matter anyways. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault that time, even though when we lost in the um, semifinals to get into the state tournament, that one was my fault. I gave up like three walks in a row. Ah, that was rough. That was when I had my elbow injury before I knew it. Ah, uh, okay. See, I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that's always like, oh, well, the offense should have scored more. It's never exactly. one dude's fault. No, it's it's a whole it's a whole collaborative team. You know, I think it's even harder when kids are trying to hit, you know, because you want them to swing a certain way. You want them to engage their bodies. You want them to move a certain way. But for, like, at my level, I love when a parent tries to yell to the kid, you're a righty. You're lefty, and they're holding the bat the opposite way, and I just go with it. I ignore that parent. Yeah, yeah. Let your kids do it natural. You know, back when I was a kid, I was told to throw over the top. You know, that's kind of not really pushed as hard anymore. Yeah, you see a lot more, uh, a lot more like three quarter arms throws now. And that's how I was throwing like my whole life, and I'm pretty sure that's what happened to my elbow was I had a coach in high school that was like, you're tall, you got length, you got to come over the top. And so I'm trying to throw a way that didn't match with my body, mm-hmm. didn't make sense. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what led to my elbow injury. Also being like way overused because I was the only lefty on the team. Yeah. And so I would have low pitch counts, but I would pitch more often. Yeah, you're probably pitching every day, every other day. Yeah, I'm pitching a ton. It's like, you oh, well, he only threw 18 pitches. It's like, well, 18 times five three. games this week. Plus a bullpen in between sometimes yeah. just to, you know, 
make it so I tossed a little bit softer depending on who was starting in front of me. Yep. Um, it was, oh, it was rough. It was rough. I'm not going to blame my coaches for my injury because my coaches were awesome um, that year in high school, but it didn't nice. help. Yeah, I'm already kind of worried for my son. My, I have two older brothers. My dad, both older brothers, and I have all torn rotator cuffs. We, it's Oof. just like genetically we have terrible shoulders. Yeah. So I'm like, he's nine, and every time he throws more than – 40 pitches i'm like oh, okay shut it down pull him pull him and then he sits for a week please gotta go oh that's the rough part is that they sit for days on end yeah and they just have to play the field and hit and by the time they get up their arms still probably just stiff at that point yeah I, yeah they can't I, really throw in practice either yeah because the rules are so strict yeah it could be a little challenging they're on a pretty uh pretty strict pitch count in this league. Yeah. That's just little league baseball right now is because they're trying to protect the players' arms, but I don't know. But one thing with that is that no matter what level you're throwing at, once you get to a hard baseball, it's the same weight throughout for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. The weight that. doesn't change. And that's one thing that I think personally like should happen is like we need to change the weight of these baseballs for, hmm. for kids, like little kids, you know, change the weights a little bit and build up to that, that five, six ounce baseball. I think it's five or six ounces now that pros use, but build up to that as they get older, you know, once they get to high school, then they should be using, you know, these standard. Baseballs. Yeah. But when they're in like elementary school and whatnot, Maybe throw throw in a little uh, two three ounce ball. Let them build. All right, exactly. I Let think we started using the standard ball last year when he was eight. When he was seven, there was definitely like that that like softer, squishier ball. Yeah, the compression ball. Yeah, but I think he's I, I think he was with the standard ball at eight. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's right. So it's just that's my thoughts on it is cut the weight back a little bit for little leaguers. Yeah. And then go standard a little bit later. That's my take on it. But uh, I'm, we could go on and on about baseball and <laughs> sports and whatnot. But it's that's so cute that your daughter, she's your, you're her soulmate. That's cute. <laughs> that's cute. I bet the uh, I bet the wife was a little upset about that. Oh, say that part again. Oh, was the uh, was the wife a little a uh, little jealous of that? Uh, you know, if she is, she's doing a pretty good job hiding it, but I, uh, I'm trying to kind of train my daughter lately. Like, Hey, like, let's, (laughs) you don't have to like reduce the amount of love. This is great. But like maybe include mom too. She's like, so now she'll whisper sometimes like, I don't want to tell you this in front of mom. (laughs) You're my favorite. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good call not to tell that in front of mom. Like, <laughs> that will definitely hurt her feelings. That happens so. with girls, though. That happens with the girls. Like, you know, mine went through that, you know, around like two or three. So I was like, eh, he's cooler. Yeah, I think it's, like I, I think it's like a, uh, a comfort thing because my son does it too. It's like he wants to, like, hypothetically, he wants to do everything with me. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to fish. He wants me to coach his baseball team, but like he gets 
mad at me a lot quicker and he'll immediately go to mom for comfort. So, and bedtime rolls around. He wants mom to put him to bed. She wants me to put her to bed every night. Um, Mommy's boy and a daddy's girl. Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes to that, like, security blanket, like, comfort feeling. I think you're right. I think you're right. That that makes sense, because it's just like, who's there? Who do I who do I connect with more? You know, that's not always the case. I mean, sometimes it's it could it could be switched, or maybe he'll come around and be like, eh. Yeah. Or you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, we definitely have our things. Like, you know, my son and I have sports and wrestling and like the rugged stuff, and then he turns to her for like the hand holding and the bedtime and the hugs and the back yeah. rubs. And then same with my daughter. She goes to my wife for the ponytails and the braids and the clothes and and the I I suck at it. I haven't even honestly tried. I oh, you got to get up on the hair stuff. It's all it's honestly it's honestly fun. I mean, maybe I'm biased because I have two girls and I'm a single parent half the time um, when I have them. So 100% of the time when I have them, I'm a single parent. But you know. The hair's fun, you know. It's like they're just standing there. You get to talk to them and yeah, brush their hair and you know connect with them and laugh and stuff. I I would tell you to to try it. She might hate it. Um, pro tip: start from the bottom of the hair. So like so brushing, I got it down. Like the the post bath perfect. time brush is like that's the brush. That's that's, that's her jam brush. right there. But the like braids and the ponytails. I suck. Uh, and I know it's one of those like shame on me. I know better. And <laughs> no, I should try. Uh, I if don't you even try know. it. Just tell her we're going to have a, we're going to have a crazy hair day today. <laughs> right. We're have a crazy dad hair day. <laughs> yeah. It's, you're going to go to school and people are going to ask you, did your dad do your hair today? And you're going to say yes with pride. Yeah, okay. You're exactly. going to say, heck yeah, my dad did my hair. Today. <laughs> you're going to be like, great. yes, he did. He's my soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my mom though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, no, kids are that's that's the best that's some of the best parts about being a dad. You know, you have these moments, you get to do these little things with them and it just turns into just bonding and laughs and smiles and you know, with daughters it's so cool. I go on about having daughters. I don't have sons. So, um, what is that like like for you having one of each? Um, it's good. I mean, I definitely love that we have one of each. Um, we had our son and we almost didn't have a second. And then we were on the fence about having a first. Um, we kind of gave it a year. We were like, if it doesn't happen this year, we're never having kids. And it was a literal calendar year, January 1st to December 31st. And I think she found out she was pregnant December 27th. So he like really cut it close. Um, and then fast forward, we were talking, well, should we have a second one? Should we not? Are we happy with one? Um, and I, we said, okay, this one will give six months. Okay. And I jokingly said, unless, unless my Denver Broncos go to playoffs, then we'll keep trying until they're eliminated. And if they win the Super okay. Bowl, then <laughs> it'll be a sign that we just have to have a second one. So that was what, like 2016? Uh, I, I see I'm a piss poor fan for not remembering the year, but it was Super Bowl 50 and the Broncos won the damn thing. And I was like, well, 
there's our sign. We have to have this second kid. Yep. That so, was, okay, 2015. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember where I was working. So it was, it was either 15 or 16. Oh, it was, it was February 7, 2016. So there we go. So it was the 15, 16 season. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, so we had oh, our. That was the Panthers. That was Cam Newton's, like, um, that was his MVP year. Yep. Yep. Von Miller sacked him and he just like fumbled it and didn't even make a, he made that half-assed attempt. Like, nope, I'm not diving on that thing. Oh, yeah. And that, that was, was that was about that. That was kind of the nail in the coffin on that one. Yeah. Tried to, game. tried to name my daughter Peyton and yeah. didn't work, didn't work out for didn't me. Work. No, couldn't get the buy-in. I originally said if they win the Super Bowl, we got to name our kid the name of the MVP, but then it was Von Miller. So I was like, ah, Von's going to be a pretty hard name to convince <laughs> my sell. wife. And then, and then we found out we were having a daughter. So it was like, ah, Von's definitely not going to work. Von's off the table. No, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it was good. We found out we were having a daughter um, and pretty much being already on the fence about the first and then being more on the fence about the second. And you got the boy and the girl. It was like, that's it. Done deal. It, so um, we're set yeah and you really do you get the best of both worlds i don't want to make anybody jealous that only has boys or only girls but you get the little man who grows up doing the the stereotypical guy he's playing all the old school video games that i have saved so we play Heck we yeah. worked our way up like i taught him nintendo and then we played a little super nintendo until Heck he got yeah. good enough and we play uh Nintendo 64 together. Heck yeah. And then, you know, get to coach his baseball team. And so that's fun. And then, you know, you have the daughter who loves the princessy stuff. And, and you always kind of, I, I kind of always said, like, there's all these stereotypical, like, oh, dad and tea time and princess stuff. And that's just in the movies, but it's not. It actually happens. It's not. No, it happens. Yep. <laughs> yep. But it's it's weirdly fun. Like, I, you just, I think before you have a girl, you're like, there's no way I'm doing that. And then you have a girl and no. you're like, put makeup on my face. Do it. Like, do it. It would be okay, I, I don't my do greatest honor. I don't do the makeup. Don't do the makeup personally. <laughs> but I will let my toes be painted. There you go. That's something. And it, and it makes them like insanely happy. Makes their whole world complete. Yeah. So They're it's awesome. So I, I feel like just, just stupidly lucky to have one of each. No, that's awesome. I mean, that's always a dream. You know, if you're growing up and you want to have kids, you know, you're always thinking, oh, I'm going to have two kids, some Ted Mosby action, boy and girl, Luke and Leia um, kind of thing. And for me, I have two girls. And I wouldn't trade it at all like i love having the two because i i still get to do a lot of those things but it's just with a daughter you know still get to coach little league and for sure i get to play pokemon with her and you know she's into those like pokemon she likes some superheroes not too much but like she still likes that kind of stuff my youngest daughter she's just kind of the vibe captain i guess she's she's just whatever yeah she just goes with the flow she's not she does not care about anything in the world as long as she's like chilling, she has some food, she has a snack, and you know, a screen's on or some kind of music, she's happy as can be. Yeah. She doesn't even care. But she loves to play um like kitchen, so she's always making like little I got her like this little mini Keurig thing at Target. 
Okay. It makes like a sound, has like a little knob on it that like turns and it makes like a nice, like it's, a like it's brewing. Yep. Yeah, like it's brewing coffee. It's so cool. She loves it. So she's always making coffee. And then I got her cupcakes. So she's like, here's your coffee and your cupcake. And nice. um, with her two little, with her two year old language that she can use, um, you know, it, it's fun. And then when we go to the pool, I have underwater tea time. Um, with nice. the older one, we drink tea underwater. Now uh, that's that's super. Yeah, um, the exact preferred location to drink tea and coffee is and eat croissants is underwater at the pool. That's perfect. Yeah, and these so, are the type yeah, of things that like she'll be one day she'll be thirty five and she'll be telling her kids like I remember my dad used to always every time I go to a pool now I always think of how my dad and I had underwater tea time. Right. So and then that just hits you in the feels. And then she's calling you and she's like, dad, I was talking about you today. And, you know, I was yep. telling, you know, the grand grandkids about this or that, about whatever. And it's like, well, next time I come and see you guys, yeah, that's going to be we'll me. Do. I'm going to be like, I'm going to make sure I'm like a block or two away. I'm going to be like, oh, I'll be over in a little bit. We're going right. to the pool. Let's go. We'll do underwater tea time. Yep. Exactly. I'll show them what underwater tea time is about. Yeah. That's awesome. So, no, and, and that's, you know, that's another one of those just great parts on, on being a dad. You yeah. know, just do the silly stuff. No one's judging you. Yeah, exactly. No exactly. You. That's like, uh, I'm, I'm going to totally plug my Instagram right now. But that's, that's what I try to kind of accomplish. And that's like the whole aim of dadding greatly is you don't have to do this like crazy extravagant stuff to be your kid's hero. Like nope. every fall we do the, the silliest. Like I convince the kids to rake the leaves with me. They hate raking, but at the end we have a massive pile and we do our annual leaf pile jumping day. And we spend hours out there jumping in the pile, re-raking it, jumping in the pile, re-raking it. And now they look forward to it every single year. We have another yes. tradition of the pumpkins when they get rotten after Halloween. We don't just chuck them in the bin. We like take power tools to them. We oh, all like awesome. soft toss a piece to my son and he'll hit it with a baseball bat. Like, oh, that's awesome. And it's just silly, like free, cheap stuff that it's okay. not putting me out. I'm not going out of my way to do any of this stuff, but they're going to no. remember this forever. They ask for it every year. When is pumpkin smashing day? So, yeah. No, and that's exactly, you know, the same thing. For me, you know, a lot of that right now is, like, when we, with my oldest daughter, we play video games. Like, we play, or not video games, but we play, like, Uno three, four times in a row. You know how tiring it is to play Uno with a five-year-old four times in a row? Probably yeah. do. Yeah. Um, just Uno after Uno, Go Fish, or Candyland's a new one. Just yep. the same games on repeat, but the cycle. But it's like, I might hate my life for the 20 minutes that I'm doing it because it's the 10th time this week I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I know she's having fun doing it because it's, it's stimulating her mind. A, it's getting her off a freaking screen, um, which I'm always happy to do. Yep. Uh, you know, but it's it's just a way that it's, there's simple ways out there. There's so many simple ways that you can go about you know, making these memories with your kids, raking leaves. That's a great one for me. It's swimming. We do that thing at the gym. I mean, 
yes, we pay for the gym membership, but we're there so much, like, they should be paying us. Um, yeah, it makes it worth point, it. So. Yeah. Yeah, you got to make it worth it. You know, and that doesn't take much. Kids are simple. They're very simple. At the end of the day, all they want to do is be loved and heard. Yep. That's it. Yeah, I and agree. And if you can just show them ways that you love them, it's, it's that easy. It's so easy. Yeah. I, uh, I just took up, I'm, I'm trying to take up fishing. Um, okay. so we, I wish Aaron was on the show cause he, <laughs> he is an avid fisherman. Is he? Like, I'll, he I'll is... have to chat with him on offline. Yeah. He's like him and fishing, like he'll go for hours on end, like by himself. Like that's his thing. Yeah. It helps him like that's, reset a little bit. That's why I'm trying to get into it. I keep hearing it's super relaxing, even if you don't catch anything. So but the kids are like gung ho, like, yeah, if you're in, I'm in. It's like, all right, that's fine. Like, just thinking of it as a solo kind of recharge thing, but let's <laughs> let's do this together, sure. So I took them down to like a little lake, man-made lake, this morning. Mm-hmm. We got poles, we got them all rigged up, and we tried for like an hour, caught nothing. Came back home, had a birthday party, and then. Later that afternoon, I was like, you want to go back and try again? Like, let's talk to the neighbor. He's a, he's an avid fisherman, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave us some tips. We went back to the same exact spot. Still caught nothing. But we learned, like, a different trick on casting. And so my mm-hmm. daughter got some serious distance in hers, like twice the distance from just this one okay. little change. Okay. Still caught nothing. Caught, like, sticks. But just the hugest smile plastered on her face because we're just we're fishing with dad and we're catching sticks and she can huck it out there so it just like made her whole it's just like it's just the quality time yeah and we left there and they're like can we come back next weekend i'm like i mean maybe yeah (laughs) maybe (laughs) we'll see we'll see let me let me check with your mom on the calendar because i don't know what's going on yet (laughs) yeah exactly so but no it's it's really, it's really important for to find those things that you can do with your kids that are just bonding and simple. It's something about being outside, being in nature, being disconnected from everything and away from like the normal, like at home stuff. Cause they know what to expect. They know what to expect the books and the toys and everything like that. They don't know what to expect when they cast their line into the water every time. You know, they don't yeah. know what they're going to catch. Could they catch a stick? Could they catch a tire? Could they catch a, a gun? Who knows? <laughs> right. um, I mean, know, even it, the variety of fish, like you don't know. Uh, supposedly this lake we went to, there's like three different kinds of fish. So it's like, we catching a bass? We catching a carp? Is it going to be tiny? Is it going to be massive? Like, mm-hmm. no idea. Know. No idea. No clue. So. But it's going to be fun when we do. Yeah. Because then like. They're going to be happy. You're going to cheer them on. You're going to pump them up. You know, it's just going to be a fun experience when it does happen. So Yeah, exactly. So that's, again, just got to find the simple parts. But going back to something you said there, you know, you thought it was going to become a solo activity and kind of be a be a you thing and whatnot. And it still can be, of course, you know. Yeah. On a different schedule and whatnot. You just have to communicate it with them. Like, hey, I'm going to do this now. And then we'll go do it together, you know, at this time, right. You know, it still can be that, but it's super important to have those things like just as a, as a parent, mom or dad that are for you to dis disconnect 
you know, kind of reset and, you know, process everything to have that time to, to be alone with, with the thoughts and everything going on and to kind of get away from all of it, but in a positive way, because it helps you come back better. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's actually something that I'm going through randomly enough. I thought I was going through like a midlife crisis here for a hot second because I had this whole like, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to call it an epiphany, but like this realization, I guess. I guess that's the same thing, synonymous. But I was thinking, I was talking to my wife about this. I was like, besides being your husband and their dad, who am I? Like, what do I have yeah. for myself? And I kind of like went down this like spiral where it was like, I don't feel like I have anything. I, I mean, I had beer league softball because the kids, my wife and the kids don't really come. It's in a different city. Oh, it's at night. Stuff. So I had that for a while for myself. But yeah, but recently, like as I get older and I'm slower and my arms kind of going dead, I don't have the arm that I pride myself in anymore. And I, the speed's dropping and. The kids are, but you're, but you're not that you're not that same person you were when you did it. You know, yeah, those few years ago, you're a different guy now. You're exactly, your body's changed, and that's okay. But it's just like the, it. the mindset has kind of changed from like I want to be the best out there and I want to compete oh, okay. to now yeah, like the mindset is just like don't get hurt. That's it. Yep. <laughs> and so, so you're not like, even having fun. You're not even having fun because you're too worried about you're too worried about everything else. Yeah, a little bit. So it's like I used to go out there and it's like, I, I want to get this big hit. I want to be in the, the clutch position with two outs and chasing two, you know. I want to be the hero. And now it's like, eh, how was the game? We lost by 10. You mad about that? No, I could not care less. Like, <laughs> you know, so it's like that kind of changed. So beyond that, it's yeah. like. What's mine? So I, I've been like searching, like, okay, what can I still do? I used to rock climb. My shoulder's not quite there anymore. I don't know if I can go, really go rock climbing anymore. So I was like, I, I haven't fished since I was a kid, but I remember liking yeah. it. Like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get into fishing. And that's where this whole like Definitely. adventure started. And immediately my, my son was like, oh, that sounds hella good. I'm there with you, dad. <laughs> we'll do this together. It'll be our thing. And I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you I wanted to go alone, but yep. Because that's going to cause a meltdown and I'm going to pick my battles and not do that. But I think you're hitting on something super important there, you know, is where you're trying to, you know, find find yourself. And it's so crazy because this is so commonly talked about amongst like mothers and whatnot. Because often, stereotypically speaking, it's like, is the mom that loses herself and the family and the home and, the, and whatever. But we do it too as dads, if not even a little bit harder and further down. Yeah. Because that's what we're taught, you know, growing up is that like you give your all into your home, you give your all into your, your partner, significant other, you pour it all into your kids. Like that is your life. That is 100% your life. And it's so uncommon because it's like, well, what if I, I am that person still, I'm a hundred percent that person, but I'm, I'm also, I'm also me. Right. Like I, I need some space too. And some like respite. Yeah. So exactly. I, yeah, it's, it's hard. I, and I, I think back to like the, the like leave it to beaver dads, like from the fifties that like their one thing was their job. 
Yeah. And now and it's no like one's 20 married to their job anymore. Yeah, it's 2023 and it's like we don't really like the job it's is just a job. Like like you have to do something you enjoy to a point, you know, depending on your career. Like for me, I'm just finished my bachelor's degree about a month ago, so I'm transitioning into like career jobs utilizing my degree because it's something I studied for, I worked hard for and something I want to do. Like I want to work in human services. Right. And so I got my degree in human services. Nice. Congrats. But at the end of the day, like these are still going to be jobs. Thank you. And they're not going to define who I am. That's just a part of me that I do. Like, yeah, I help people. I help people with, you know, whatever that they're going through, get them services, things like that. You know, once the experience ends with them, then it, it ends. You know, I impacted them. I did what I was supposed to do and I got paid for it. Um, there's a part of it that's still incredibly genuine because it's what I want to do, but there's part of it that's also like, you know, materialistic, you know, I'm doing this because I'm being paid to be here to do this for you. No one's married to their job anymore. It's 2023. You know, I love my kids, but I have them half the time. So what am I doing with that other part of my time when I'm not, when I'm not with them, when I don't have them? Yeah. And it's like, even with you, like in, even when you're in a relationship or you're married or you know, committed, whatever the situation might be, it looks different for everyone. It's 2023. Um, you know, you have the other person that you can talk to and say, hey, you know, I'm going to take this time for me, or I would like to start taking this time for me. You got to communicate that with your significant other. And most of the time it's going to be, it has to be a two-way street because if you're going to do it for you, you got to make sure she does it too, you know? For sure. Yep. And you got to find that balance and all that, but you have to do those things for you because if you're not taking that time for yourself, and this is a point here, if you're not taking that time for yourself, how are you going to show your kids that it's, that's important to take care of themselves? Right. Instead of just pouring into all these other cups and they come back and their cups empty. It's like, well, my dad was always helping other people or my dad was always doing all this stuff, but you know, looking back, my dad never took time for himself. Yeah. <laughs> looking back, my dad was quietly exhausted all the time. He was exhausted all the time. Like, yes, he did a great job raising us. He was a great dad. But you're going to look back and you're going to look back and be like, damn, I could have been so much better. I could have been so much better if I would have just taken the time to go fishing, you know, twice a week for an hour to lose two hours. But the other hours in that week I'm getting, I'm spending with them are going to be that much better now. I'm enhancing all these other hours by taking away these few hours. It's addition by subtraction. For sure. If you will. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's, and it's like that, that cup analogy, right? Like you, I think you started to touch on it. Like you can't pour into other yes. people's cups if your cup is empty. Same thing with fishing. I'm already, I can already kind of see it. It's if I take my kids fishing every single time I go most of my energy is going to be helping them and not fishing yep. myself. And if exactly. we're all learning this new hobby together, like what am I learning? If I get an hour to go yeah. do it by myself, I'm kind of out there figuring stuff out. I'm learning it. And now next time I go with my kids, my cup is full. I can pour into theirs. I can kind of help them. It's like, easier. Oh man, I, easier. I figured this out for you. Yep. Yep. Because then you're, what's going to happen is if you don't take that time to like, know what you're doing i feel like it's important for any parent whatever you're doing with your kids is you should have a basic idea of how to do it or what you're doing what you're going to go do before just going out and doing it because when you get there and then they're going to ask you a bunch of questions because kids love questions oh yeah that's their number one form of communication is questions all the freaking time is that's going to lead to frustration 
that frustration could lead to yelling. That frustration could be to hating them, you know, a negative interaction and then them finding an area of resentment. It can just spiral. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then so it changes like, from fishing with dad is a negative memory. Exactly. And it turns into exactly. And it had nothing, nothing to do with fishing. Like, <laughs> nothing. Nothing. It's like now I hate fishing and yeah. you know, I'm thirty five and I have really good friends. They all like to fish, but I hate fishing. And it's because I went fishing with my dad one time and it was a disaster. Like, and... Exactly. Yeah. You know, so like you said, you have to fill your cup before you can pour into any other cups, whether that's your kids, your significant others, your, you know, your job, whatever you need to mm-hmm. do, whatever cups you need to pour into, you can't pour into it if yours is empty. For sure. Yep. So. And I don't want to, I don't want to get into like a big COVID rant, but I don't think it helps that. Oh, no. COVID, I mean, I will say this COVID did bring us together more and give yes. us a lot of time together. We used to, both of us used to work eight to five and rush off to get them to school and then keep going in different directions, work all day five o'clock rush home as fast as we could to get them from after school care. By the time you get home, it's five 45. You're doing homework for 45 minutes, an hour. Cause mine are you're still little. Dinner. You're making dinner. You're doing baths. Now it's bedtime and you're starting over the next day. Yeah. You kiss your wife. Yeah. Good night. Love you. Go to bed. I mean, that's if you don't fall asleep putting the kids to bed. That's true. Maybe if you wake up and, <laughs> You know, maybe you have some part quality partner time, but you know, it's just yeah. it all kind of just gets stuck, gets stuck, and it feels like you can't, you don't, you don't get to have that time. Yeah. So that's your partner. So that's the pro. That's the pro of COVID. If there is a pro, is it really brought us together? We had a lot more time together. We got to start working remote from home. Both of us are fortunate enough to have gotten to keep that. So now we. We've started, oh, awesome. We started taking the kids to school every day together. All four of us go. We that's go fun. pick them up from school together. And it was cool. Aww. It was cool for a while, but now, like, three years later, it's like we do everything together. Now it's like, are we codependent now? It almost kind of feels like it, yeah. So, like, there will be days that I'm like, hey, I know it's time to pick up the kids, but I'm slammed, like, at work. I, I got so much stuff to do still. And my wife, she's great. She's like, oh, that's fine. You know, I'll go get them. No worries. But my kids will immediately like that's come awesome. through the door and be like, why weren't you at pickup? Where were you? Are you okay? And it's like, I'm fine. I'm just yeah, working. No, like... <laughs> I'm like, well, well, we missed you. Don't you do okay? that again. And it's like, you're here right now. How did you miss me on the eight minute car ride home? <laughs> right. Like, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So you it's... Don't, I don't need to be there every pickup or your mom doesn't need to be there every pickup. You go to school, yeah. you know. Two thirds of the year, it's okay. Yeah. So now it's gonna do a point where it's like if we don't do everything all together, it's like this like bizarre thing to my kids. Like they're thrown out of whack and they get emotional. And like, then but yeah. So the whole like fishing thing, even the fishing thing, going back to that. It's like Oh man. Okay. I say I'm gonna do it for a hobby. My son immediately is like, Yeah, let's do it. My daughter is like well, I want to do it too. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, come on. And when we went back this afternoon, they're like, can mom come? And I'm like, I don't think she wants to come sit there. And she's <laughs> like, oh, well, if you guys want me to come. And I'm like, just stay here. 
like take the rep- I don't want- rep- take the reprieve and like, the kids are like, like i am giving you the break yeah and the kids are like no you have to come and she's like okay yeah i'll come i don't i'm not worried about it it's like uh, okay it's like you almost just kind of have to rip start ripping the band-aids off there yeah know? yeah because i mean it's it's healthy to because then that's gonna that shows them like oh mom and dad did everything together i have to be that same way like yeah they yeah. get a relationship but like i have to be that same way so who knows how that can lead and all that fun stuff down the line so i think it's you know a part of that's cool. Like, yes, they're so engaged in their family. They care about their family. They want to be together. They love you guys. It shows a lot of love. I think that's where it comes from. It's just like, it's what we're used to. We're just used to being together. You know? Yeah. Yep. That's our family. And it's like, well, that's everyone, bud. Um, everyone's kind of been forced to be together the last few years. Right. And it's just, it's, you know? it's good. It's just healthy. It's just a healthy thing for humans to have some like independent solo time. It is. Even if you're, if even if you're nine years old, like, and you're playing video games in the other room, like, and a half an hour by yourself, it just, it, I feel like it teaches you, it trains you to be comfortable in the silence, and be okay doing nothing by yourself. One hundred percent. Like I, like I'll let my two kids. Like, a lot of time I want them to play together because I think that's important for the little one to play with her older sister and learn. But mm-hmm. at the same time, the older one doesn't always want to play or the little one doesn't want to play together. And so sometimes the older one, she just wants to take her tablet and go and lay in her bed and watch her tablet for a bit by herself, door closed. It's like, eh, go ahead. Yeah. That's fine. You know, and then they just kind of chill and then an hour goes by and then the little one's like, Sissy. Yeah. yeah, like okay, now I'm Where ready. Are you? And it's like okay, and then they kind of then they're just so much happier being together at that point. Yeah, that's almost like that. Okay. Uh, absence makes Reset. the heart grow fonder. It does, and so I think it's you know you have to show your kids that, and you have to just kind of have to fight those battles, and you have to be ready for it. You know, whichever parent's going to be on the other end, like if you're. If your wife is going to go do yoga or something, mm-hmm. I don't know if yoga is her thing. Um, that's just the first thing that comes to mind. I'm not <laughs> trying to stereotype that all married women do yoga um, at all. But if that's her thing and it's like, okay, mom's going. You guys are not going. You guys are going to stay here with me or vice versa. Like dad's going to go. You don't have to tell him where you're going. You know, it's mm-hmm. like dad's going to go do something. Go- do something for himself. He's going to go run errands or he's going to go, you know, do this. I think it's almost better to kind of leave it general, let their minds wander and, you know, communicate that ahead of time. Like, okay, I'll tell them after you leave where you went. Um, yeah. You just kind of got to deal with it after deal with the tears and deal with the, the pushback after. Yeah. Yeah. You come back and they're just, Oh, we miss you so much. <laughs> That's actually one of the uh, things that I love about um, our family dynamic is we really make it a point to make sure uh, we heard this advice from like this, the most random couple in a sketchy van in Mexico. (laughs) Nice. That's the best. Right. We're traveling to like this, like weird, uh, it was, it was set up through the hotel, but it was just like this unmarked van traveling through Mexico to like a swim hole and like authentic food, weird backstory, but 
this couple this couple has their little kid with them. And we're like, wow, you guys are brave to bring your kid on this trip. Like it's, it's it feels a little sketchy. And they're like, oh. nah, it's not weird to us. Like, and it's not weird to her because this is how she's been raised. Like, you, when you have kids, you have to remember you run the family. They don't run the family. Like, you had a life before them. They need to adapt into that life that you've already created. And for whatever reason, that stuck with us so solidly. That's so true. We though. still go back to it even nine years into having a kid. We're like, you don't run the family. Like, this is our lifestyle. You're going to have to adapt to it. So, like, people always say, oh, I love to travel, so I'm never going to have kids. We still travel all the time. We loved traveling oh, before the kids. kids. So, we just started traveling. My, fun, my son, I think, took his first flight when he was, like, six months old. My daughter, when she was, like, nine months old. We're flying across the country. Um, they adapt. They'll get used to it. The kids adapt. I mean, that's their brains. Their brains are meant to adapt. They're yep. humans. I mean, they're young. They you mold their minds how you want them to mold. Exactly. So I was playing you know? softball once a week. My my wife was playing soccer once a week. And so that was one of the things that we were like, after we have kids, we're not giving this up. Like, I'm still playing softball. You're still playing soccer weekly. And yeah. it's it's just a non-negotiable. And so just fast balance. forward. Just yep. Fast forward. We're still doing it. She had soccer this morning. And... Going back to what you said, it's kind of a it's it's an option at this point. Like, do you guys want to go to mom's soccer game? It's okay if you say no because she's going whether whether we go or not. She, she doesn't care. She doesn't um, honestly care. Um, she loves you, but she doesn't care if you're there or not. Yeah, she's going to play whether we're there or not. So take it or leave it. And right. sometimes the kids will be like, "Yeah, let's go. Let's watch mom." And other times they're like, "Nah, we don't want to go. It's too cold. It's too windy. Whatever." <laughs> Feel that. And she's okay with it. She's like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. So no, that's that's crucial. I mean, I think a lot of it, a lot of people's minds probably went straight to like the physical part of it. It's like, well, you know, I gotta go to the gym. Like for me, like I, I'm looking at possibly relocating in the next, you know, couple months for work. And you know, where I'm looking, the places I'm looking at living in the county, I'm like, okay, and if I live in this county or this city within this county, then I have to have a, a church. I have to have a gym with childcare mm. and the gym has to have a pool. Like I will not live in this area if it doesn't have this. Um, so, I mean, cause that's important to me. I have to have that gym that has childcare because a, then they know that I'm going to the gym for me. They see me taking care of me mm-hmm. and then they're going to childcare. And then after I pick them up and then, you know, we do something at the gym together whether it's going to play go. on the courts or kick a ball around or go swimming or something like that, you know, so it's kind of like that two in one, but it's like, they see me come and pick them up, dripping sweat. Um, just got out of the sauna. You know, I like to make it look like I worked out real hard. I don't know when I went <laughs> in the sauna, but, um, you know, I drop them off for two hours sometimes and go and worked out does it am i thinking like in the very back of my head like man i could be spending these two hours with them we could have gone swimming or this that and the other yeah but at the same time you know i'm taking care of my body um getting rid of all my negative thoughts i'm getting rid of that negative energy i'm getting you know my head right you know i'm meditating in the sauna for that 20 minutes i'm doing something hard i'm pushing my body 
and all these benefits. Because then when I come out and I pick them up, I'm going to be relaxed. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be in a good headspace. Mm-hmm. I'm going to rock and roll the next, you know, however many hours. And it's going to be fun. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to scream. I'm going to be relaxed. I'm going to be more, I'm going to be a better dad and be the dad I want to be. Yeah, exactly. I did that thing. Yep. I did that thing. So it's, it's, it's crucial. It's crucial. You got to do that. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's the whole uh, Instagram wine, moms and wine thing where like, oh, I had to have two glasses of wine because my kids were nuts. And then you have like parents who, there's like actual parents who have to take like CBD gummies to parent their kids. And I I could just imagine somebody saying like, oh man, you spent two hours at the gym, but it's like, hey, I'm not taking CBD gummies. I'm not drinking wine just to parent my kids. Like. I do this so that I don't have to do that. Like, yeah, which like, one's worse? Like, I want to. I want them to see me like healthy. Like, the only supplements they see me take are my, you know, thermogenic fat burners, right, right. My nootropic brain boosters and my freaking greens powder. Yeah, exactly. And the beauty of That's it too is like, if they ever asked you, like, oh, you know, what do you do at the gym for this long? It, you can tell them exactly what you just said. Like, oh, I do it to push my body, to see what I can do, to take yeah. care of myself. Because it's healthy. It's a healthy habit. Mm-hmm. And that's just even more for them. Like, oh, okay, okay. I dig that. Exactly. And it's funny because, like, my daughter will, like, we I check her into childcare, And she asks me, like, what I'm going to be doing at the gym that day. Before we even get to the gym or on our way to the gym. She's like, where are you going to be today? Are you going to be upstairs? I'm guessing you're going to be riding a bike, lifting weights, going to the sauna. And then she's telling the person at the childcare where I'm going to be for me. So I don't even have to answer. <laughs> um, but I confused her on Saturday because I went to like a, yesterday, I went to like a, a synergy, a synergy class was like a yoga Pilates class. And then she was like, I picked her up and she's like, oh, how was, you know, your bike and lifting weights? I'm like, I didn't do that today. She's like, huh? What? What? You did something different? And it's just it's just cool it's it's really cool to show your kids you know to to do these things and to and to take that time for yourself like and they see the benefits of it they see me being healthier happier calmer uh you know it's it's more fun for everyone because we're at the gym so the likelihood that we go swimming right after i work out is about 50 times higher than if we were just going to go to the gym to swim nice so, yep. so that's super fun but all right let's Wow, it's already been hours. It's been awesome. It's been fun. But for for you on your on your profile, you're a dad advocate. You're a mental health dad advocate. Take yes. us through what that means because there's there's so much stigma around men's mental health. You know, I was working on a piece today, something I'm writing um, for the podcast. Uh, I'm working on the well balanced dad diet. I was looking up all these statistics about suicide. It's a in the world. There's a 1.5 greater chance that a man dies by suicide than a woman. Um, in the United States, it's 3.88 times higher men's to women's suicide rates. Yeah. Um, you know, the highest population of men, let's see here, is at um, 69.68% of suicides in 2020 were by white males. Mm-hmm. Yet, yeah, and this is the crazy part that kind of blew my mind. That I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. 93% of people that were surveyed by the um, Americans for Suicide Prevention, mm-hmm. um, great resource, 
they their work is legit, but um ninety three percent of the people they survey think suicide can be prevented. Yeah. Which it's like, okay, if you think suicide can be prevented, then why are these numbers astronomical it's, for men compared to women? It's crazy, right? It's mind boggling. Especially white yeah. males. I know there's a lot of stigma. I I'm not gonna I hope I don't get canceled for this. I won't because it's an independent podcast, so I can say <laughs> what I want. But um it's like the white male has a negative stigma because they're a white male. Like that comes with issues. So tile that into men's mental health, being a dad advocate and everything with that, like for you and what you do and what the things that you share and talk about on your social media. So I I come from a place where I struggle present tense with it still today. Mm-hmm. Um, I So I have been to therapy for anxiety, therapy for depression, um, on medication um, for both. Um, and it's hard. I fought it for for honestly, probably over a decade. Um, when my wife and I first met and started dating, I would have these weird, angry outbursts and she would always just kind of be like, these are so random that like, I'm not like afraid of them, but like, where do these come from? They're so, they're so weird. And then, um, why she's like, why? Yeah. And then she became pregnant with our son and I developed this breathing issue and we spent a year trying to figure out what it was. And my doctor was like, it's anxiety. And I was like, no, it's not. And then she's kind of starting to think back to all these different scenarios that as we were dating, she's like, oh, you know what? I think I can trace that back to anxiety. I think he's right. And I'm like, no, it's not anxiety. I'm super pumped to, to have a kid. And just kept fighting and fighting. and. After the breathing issue, it was like a swallowing issue. And then it was my eyesight was going blurry. And then it was like weird heart palpitate. And every stop, every exam, every specialist, it would be like, no, it's anxiety. And it wasn't until my son was born and growing up. And we started talking about my dad, who I don't talk to anymore. When he was like, he said something and it sparked this whole like, like, oh my God, am I just like my dad? Should I give him another chance? And just this spiral mm-hmm. and just went into this weird, like mental health state where I just couldn't pull myself out of it. Finally asked for help. Felt like such a sissy Lala because mm-hmm. that's what the stereotype is, right? Like guys that's asking for help. That's the stigma. They're, that's the stigma. they're like, sissies. You help, you're weak. Yeah. They, you should be able to just man up and fix it yourself. You're, you're a punk AB, dude. You're a punk AB. Like, come on. Yeah. You have this beautiful have wife and a great AB. job and a great and a cute kid that looks just like you. What do you have to be anxious and depressed about? And you have a son, too, on top of that. Like, you have a, you have a son. Yeah. You have your namesake, your family line. Like, all this, like... All this man stuff. All this man stuff. Yep. Yep. And I just I just reached a point where I was like, I can't. It's not working. Like, I'm trying to fix it by myself. I'm trying to man up. But it's not working. Um, so I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to, like, super quietly ask for uh, help through work. Like, we had EAP services. Um, 
Yeah, that's a great that's a great resource. A lot of the employers have that. A lot of employers have that now. Yeah. It's it's not really like advertised or posted, but I guarantee you if you work for anywhere, Lowe's, a bank, or any big retailer, or any any job in healthcare, mm-hmm. pretty much I want to say like 75% of jobs have some form of EAP. That's free. It's offered. It's probably posted on a board that you walk by every single day. Yep. Um, or in your employee handbook somewhere. It's there. The resource is there. You just, like like you're saying, you, you just got to kind of take it. Yeah. And that's and, the thing, too, is like I did it so quietly that I could have done it and just not told anybody ever. Um, but I, I through, through my job at the time, I got three free... I got three freebies, an hour long each. Um, well, is that is that like a three freebies, like hour long each, like per issue, or just like? Yeah, so it was three freebies per twelve months per issue. But I had such a kick ass therapist that she was like, "Just call them back and change the issue, and we'll just keep talking." Yeah, no, that's. Awesome. Um, so I ended up having a nine sessions. Are, a lot of therapists are really good like that, where they'll where they'll do that yeah. if they if they actually care about what they're doing. I've had some really great therapists that have done the same thing. So, yeah. And it was, it was awesome. Like, you know, you walk in and you're kind of guarded and reserved and it takes like that first half a session to really like come out and, mm-hmm. and hopefully you trust your person and you can kind of hopefully develop some kind of, you know, trust and rapport with them. Um, beauty of it is if you don't feel a connection or any kind of like, you don't feel good about it, you can always change. Um, I I liked my therapist. Exactly. Yep. But I did it. Like I said, I did it super quietly. No one at work knew, um, called a number, never meet that person on the phone ever again. Like I only talked to him so they don't know my history, like nothing embarrassing about you. Nothing. So I meet with a therapist, you know, that first session I'm guarded. I don't really talk a lot. Um, but she's kind of figuring me out cause that's her job. She's a professional. She's studied this. Um, so she knows she's seen guarded men before. And so she kind of figures out the questions to start pulling me out of my shell. And, Mm -hmm. and then second session we dive in and I'm like tearing up at one point because I'm sad. And then I'm just hot in the face and want to walk out mad and kind of go through this gamut of emotions. And, and then it's like, all right, well, I got one more session, so I'm going to stick with it. Let's, you know, let's see what happens. And that third session, it's just, man, you walk out and it's like, there's a runner's high. There's a workout high. I swear there's like a therapy high. Yes, there is a therapy high. I can 100% attest to that. Like I've, I've done a bunch of different forms of therapy. I've done just a normal counselor. I've done a therapist. I've done a psychologist. I've done talk therapy on betterhelp.com. Hashtag not a sponsor. They should be. (laughs) Nice. Um, But you know, it's, there's always that once you get to that spot, you come out of it, you, you feel like you have that runner's high. Yeah. High. You, 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 you come out of a building and you just, you take this deep breath and you go, <sighs> yes. And then you open your eyes again and it's like the colors are more colorful. Legit. Yes. Yep. It's, it's brighter outside. It's Air brighter, smells better. Colorful. Yes. Everything. Like all your senses are just like food tastes better. Air is brighter. Yep. Everything's just better. 
you just so like you, you, got, you have that calm that chest. you would after like yoga or meditation. You're just like, exactly. oh, you got oh. it. You got it out. You got all those things that you were bogging it down. You got them out. You got them out. You got them out of your head. Yep. And now you're, they're not there anymore. Yeah, exactly. You talked. Yeah. And, and again, like this person's not going to go tell anybody. Like it's literally yeah. against the law. They will lose their literally license. So like the only thing that they can tell is if you're going to do harm to yourself or someone else, and then they can report it appropriately. Exactly. But you literally sign a form and that's all they can do. They can always talk about your, so this is a fun fact about like therapists and whatnot. So they can't talk or, you know, say anything about your information yet. If a mental health professional is having an issue or having a hard time, like let's say you were being really difficult after three, four, five sessions, right? Mm -hmm. They just, they were at their wits they can always go and talk to like their supervisor or someone above them mm-hmm. or even a peer. They can't say your name or any details about you, like specifically about like what you're going through, but they can use generalities and say, Hey, I have this client. They are going through this. They're struggling here. I'm having a real hard time with them, you know, very general things. Mm-hmm. And they can get, you know, peer to peer advice, you know, supervisor to, to um, counselor advice from like the, a more experienced psychologist or whatnot so um but again your information is never like um it's, it's not used really i mean it's not you it's not it's never going to be used against you um if it is then that therapist deserves to use their license yeah so i just i just going through the process having fought it for 10 12 years and then going through the process and just coming out feeling so much better and with this, there was a little bit of regret, not regret for going, but just regret for not going 10 years sooner. Mm-hmm. And so that just distinct feeling, it's like, it kind of compelled me to just not shut up about it now. And so that's where the mental health advocate thing comes because I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. So when my son was going to be born, all of this really sparked it, like basically lit this anxiety fire And, and I kept arguing saying like, no, I'm excited to have a son. And my, this first therapist was like, that's fine. That's legit. You can be excited, but it can also bring up this. It's it's, a trigger. It's bringing up this like father son relationship that you had in the past, whether you're actually Mm -hmm. thinking about it or not, like it's going to bring it to the forefront and that's what's sparking it. And so conscious right now until it becomes fully conscious. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we also talk about postpartum. You say the word postpartum, you think of a mom. Exactly. Everyone knows what it means. Everyone knows what postpartum means. Right. It's always moms. Yeah. And we just, that's a whole other beast. I I don't feel like moms get enough postpartum love either, but dads get zero. Yeah. And again, not not a pissing contest or anything, but I just. Not at all. Nobody talks about it. I didn't even know postpartum was a thing for dads. It is like looking back, like I remember asking like my, my now ex-wife, like after, you know, both kids, you know, I would ask her like, especially after the second one, because we probably should have caught it during the, after the first one, I'm not going to share her business or anything, but we should have caught it. And then after the second one, I know it was something that she was worried about. So it was constant, like check-ins like daily throughout the day. Like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How are you like mentally? How are you doing? How are you doing? Kind of thing. Um, a lot of that. Until like some time went by and then it kind of just faded and whatnot. But 
So like looking back, like for myself, like I was, when our first daughter was born, like I was working a job I did not love, Mm -hmm. um, crazy hours. I had zero time off guaranteed to me for the baby um, being born. I was, you know, it was in the middle of summer. So it was hot. It was just not a good time. And looking back, like I was just so like, like I hate it. Like there was so much I wish I would have like figured out after that. After the second one, it was it was a lot better because I knew what to expect. I knew how to feel. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, that postpartum for men, it's maybe we shouldn't call this postpartum, but like it's the same thing. Like that after child, like depression and whatnot is is real for both parties. Yeah, I mean, if you, I, I feel like it's not talked about enough too that like having a kid is your life is completely different. Like completely the person you were five minutes before the baby arrives it, like that person, you still want to keep yourself. You still want to like hang on to who you are as an individual, but like yes. mm-hmm. so much changes so quick. Yeah. And especially like on an emotional level, like, Mm-hmm. These freaking Bluey cartoons make me tear up now because and oh my I, gosh, I, I can't do Disney movies anymore. Yeah, and I'm like, I can't do any animated movie because they all have that really sweet ending, and they all have that like teary moment. Yeah, and here I am like choking back tears watching a freaking movie on Netflix on our family movie night. Yep, where we just made all this popcorn and I've been gorging myself with artificial <laughs> buttery popcorn that I just it's my weakness. Popcorn's my weakness, but anyways. Um, I get it. I get it. Yeah, and the it's only thing that changed especially. was you became a dad. Yeah. Well, especially when you have a girl. Um, fun fact, your testosterone drops like 50%. Oh, interesting. Like when you have a girl. So I don't even know how much mine drops. Mine's dropped having two. Um, <laughs> but probably like 75%. But, you know, like you're like just your testosterone that's like being produced hmm. like drops because like these other, you know, I don't want to explain it. I don't want to bore the listeners with all that <laughs> stuff, but definitely look do look it up. But yeah, there's that soft side comes out for sure. That soft side comes out, and you can't hide it. You have to, and you know, kind of what I'm hearing from you is like you you have to like own up to it at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you can own up to it quietly. You can own up to it loudly. You can plant your flag on Facebook and say you're freaking doing it, and because if that's what you need to do it, freaking do it and get that extra support. Know that there's people that care about you and that are going to support you. Mm-hmm. You need to do it quietly and not even tell your, you know, I don't even know if you told your your partner at that time that you were doing it or literally no one. You just kind of did it um, until you were exploring it and whatnot. That's okay too, because you were still doing it. Yeah, you know, exactly. It. And that's so important is to just do it. Yeah, and again, that's the beauty of it is you can do it and not tell anybody. You could literally, I could have literally not told my wife and taken an hour in the middle of a Tuesday like I did and gone and did it and not told her. And she would have just said, how was your day? And I would have said, oh, it was great. I did this and this and this and left that part out. and Went on with your life. Yep. And think, eventually you probably would have told her. I mean, I told her, uh, I told her from the get go and she's super you know. supportive, but. Of course. The first time I told my mom, I told my sisters. And second time through, it was like, all right, I'm just going to keep this between my wife and I. And, and still, same thing. Like, 
she's supportive. Family didn't even know. They don't need to know. It is what it is. And the thing yeah. too is like I, I go back to like you, you know, you're playing sports and you get a sports injury. You're going to go to your doctor. You're going to go through physical, you know, rehab. You might get prescribed some medicine for a bad break or, you know, whatever. You can't fix it yourself. You're going to have some injuries that you cannot fix yourself. You have to seek medical attention. And we're so quick to just do it. Yeah, give me an x-ray. Let's figure this out. Yeah, give me the medicine. Let's figure it out. Like, oh, you got to re-break my arm and put it in a splint for six months? Screw it. Let's do it. And then I got to do nine months do of rehab it. after that. Great. Let's do it. Whatever gets me back on the tennis court, flag football field. But then it comes to our brain. It's like, oh, my brain's not working right. I need some help. No, I'm not doing that. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, my heart's broken. Why? Yeah. yeah like, why? Uh, why not? Why? Why? Why are you not doing it? You know, that's one of my really big things, like personally, like that I believe it's a really big part of the the well balanced dad diet that I'm working on that will release eventually this year. Um, but like, you have to, you know, ask yourself why. Why aren't I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I not doing this? Why should I do it? Kind of that's in your DNA as a human being is to question, you know, look at having children. If you don't believe that questioning is part of our DNA as human beings, then you need to spend more time with your kid. Um, because kids right. will question literally everything. God, it's a thousand questions a day. Gosh, there comes times where I have to like talk to my six-year-old and my five-year-old. She's almost six. I have to be like, "Hey, you know, I really appreciate you asking all these questions, but let's let's take a break, um, because I can yeah. I just feel myself getting burnt out on them. And it's like, let's let's take a break. Let's let's transition to something else. Why? <laughs> Don't ask me any more questions. Why? That's a question. <laughs> Go away. Here's your talent. <laughs> That's when you throw a screen in front of them and they're like, okay. Yeah. Um, Ask Google. But no, so no, you're, you're so right. You know, it's, it's, you have to do it. If you're, if your brain's broken, your heart's broken, why not fix it? Like you would fix any other part of your body. It's, yeah. Your these these guys went to school. Body. They went to school for this. They wanted to make their living out of this. Like they know way more than I do. So, I couldn't fix it myself. Like you, you trained for this, you fix it. And for me, they did. I know not everybody's lucky enough. Like there's loopholes and challenges are not loopholes, but hula hoops, you got to jump through and stuff. But really just in terms of mental health advocate, it just comes down to like, if you think you might even need the help, nothing, is going to make you look bad just asking the question, asking for a little bit of help. Like I, I now I'm so comfortable with this that I started seeing on all these things on ADHD on Instagram. And so I was like, God, do I have ADHD? I think I might. And I asked my oh, doctor man. like, Hey, can we have a conversation about ADHD? And he was like, yeah, let's get you an assessment. I did the assessment 10 minutes later. They're like, dude, you don't have ADHD. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Fast so forward a year and a half. I did the same thing with my doctor with that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you actually have ADD. Uh, not ADHD, but ADD. Interesting. Um, with like a lot of hyper-focusing. And it's like, I had it, I've had it my entire life. 
but I just, I never, never got screened for it until like I was in my mid twenties. Um, definitely changed my life. I'm not medicating for it or anything. Um, but you've probably learned some strategies on how to like, I learned strategies, like how to do it. I've learned how to like catch myself because especially when it comes to work, I'll like hyper-focus on one project, mm-hmm. and, but then I'll have, I'll have four projects assigned to me. I'll hyper-focus on one and do beautiful A++++ work. And then the other three are B minus, C pluses, good enough. Good enough. Um, yeah. So like I know these, I, now I know more about me. You know, I know more about me as a person. Mm-hmm. That's important. That's why we ask these questions to begin with. Yeah. You know. Like it, it's, it's literally getting like answers to a test for free. All you have to do is ask for them. And people are like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I I thought I was lazy for a minute. And my wife was like, I feel like this is borderline depression. And I, I fought that too. And I was like, no, no, no. I Honestly, I think I'm just lazy. And she's like, have a conversation with your doctor. I'm like, whatever. Okay. So I'm like, hey doc, let's, let's talk. Like I'm trying to figure out if I'm lazy or depressed. And he's like, let's get you a screening. Yeah. And I go to the screening and I'm like, she's like, okay. You know, what's one example? And I'm like, this. And she's like, that's depression. And I'm like, well, okay, here's the second example. And she's like, yeah, that's depression. And I'm like, no shit. Okay. Well, what about this? And she's like, oh, yeah, that's definitely depression. And I'm like, oh. I'm not meaning to laugh. No, I mean, it's all good. Like, that's that's how comfortable I am with it now. It's like, I, I can totally laugh too. And it's like, I would have just continued on, continuing on, thinking like, God, I'm such a lazy piece of crap. Like, So did you have to go home and tell your wife that you were right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was like, how'd the screening go? And I was like, oh, they very, very embarrassingly quickly said, it's depression. Yeah. And she didn't even flinch. She's like, so what are we going to do about it? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to start this eight-week intensive program next Friday. That's so cool. And she's like, dope. That's so cool. And that's so important. You know, I feel like if any you know dads out there that are in a you know that are partnered married whatever the new committed partnership you have um your partner wants to be that person for you mm-hmm. you know they, they they signed up to be that person they signed up to be there for you through thick and thin sickness and health and this is a sickness and you know it's something that they need to support you through they want to support you through it they can't support you through something that they don't know about mm-hmm they can't support you if you're not supporting yourself and doing it. And if you're not doing it for you, do it for to be a better partner. Do it to be a better a better parent. Do it to be a better friend, a better whatever. Attach it to something that's meaningful to you. Because a lot of men won't do it just solely for themselves. You know, you said yours didn't happen till after your son was born. Mm-hmm. Or leading up to when you were going to be a dad. You know, all that other time passed. It didn't happen up until then. You did it. You attached it to being a better dad. Because you didn't want to be anything like... Not anything like your dad. But in an essence, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Cause, because you oh, yeah. To be 100%. Different. Yeah. You know? So you attached it to something that was meaningful and you cared about. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to do it for you, because you you weren't going to do it for you, no, probably weren't going to do it for your wife. Um, <laughs> maybe eventually you would have, but you know, time frame would have been a lot different. Probably would have taken a few fights and 
you know, some threats of the of divorce to get you there. Yeah, I was honestly but thinking like it, couples counseling. It comes out, and then it's like, oh. But then it wasn't. Then it wouldn't have been genuine because you're you're forced to do it. Mm-hmm. Your approach was you did it on your terms when you were ready. You did it quietly, and you did it your way. And you did it genuinely, and that's what's so important. You know, to find what works for you, and to do it in a way that will work for you. Um, my the way I do it's different. The way you did it's different. The way any of our listeners do is going to be different. But the one thing that it comes down to, I feel, is that you know what you need to do. If you feel like you need to talk to someone, you feel like you need to get that help. You feel like you need to call the national you know crisis line you feel like you need to go talk to your mom your dad your significant other whoever you have that feeling you should probably listen to it just do it yeah because who's ever on the other side of the phone if they called you and they asked for the same thing you would hands down drop whatever you're doing and be there for them Mm -hmm. that's super important point they're going to be there for you too they're going to be there the same for you as you're there for them or that they know you will be there for them you know, go join a dad group on Facebook. Come over to our one of either of our Instagrams, you know, hit us up. We'll talk to you. Um, you know, there's these people out there that we'll talk to that will be there for you. Go on Twitch. You know, I stream on Twitch and this is what I do on Twitch. You know, I just I talk and have these conversations. It's just a space for people to, you know, not be judged and just to come and chat and talk it up and so you know, there's there's resources out there, but find what's going to work for you. Do it on your terms. And one of Nick's, you know, big things here is don't overthink it. You don't have to overthink it. Because the more you overthink it, the less likely you're going to do it. Just take that first little small step, call that number, and go from there. Because life-changing things can happen, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to remember too, it's not your fault. And I don't mean that in like the goodwill hunting, like I'm going to hug you seven times and say, it's not your fault. It's not your fault until we all start crying. It's, it's literally like, it's no different than your blood pressure is too low. Like maybe you did something to make your blood pressure too low, but it could be a genetic thing. It's not your fault. There's nothing you could have done. You, you find out from your doctor, you take a medication, you fix it, or you work in more workouts and you fix it high blood pressure uh i don't know i'm trying to think of other non-blood things whatever it is you know high levels of stress you know yeah cortisol is too high yeah your your Um, hair turns gray that's not your fault you can't change that no it's the same as to develop you're starting to develop diabetes or whatever it could be genetic yeah exactly like it's not your fault I'm I'm German and Portuguese, so I have a ton of moles on my body. Like, it's not my fault. Like, I can't change that. It's the same thing with anxiety. Like, there's some stuff yeah. happening up here. It's not my fault. But now we know some strategies. We figured it out. And the the one of the most beautiful things about this too is now my daughter is starting to show a little bit of anxiety. And because I went through all this all this therapy and learned all the strategies for myself. Now I can seamlessly teach her these things. And mm-hmm. so when she starts getting anxious, I can spot it immediately. I can just start talking her off the ledge with strategies that I know work because I've used them on myself. Mm-hmm. And then I'll talk. And she's half you. Yeah. She's half you. And I'll talk to therapists and they're like, that's awesome. Like 
That's perfect. You you nailed it. You, you... And then she knows that you went, you know, to therapy, you got help. And now if she ever feels like, you know, maybe the strategies that dad are giving me maybe aren't for me. She's 100% mm-hmm. comfortable coming to you and saying, hey, dad, you know, I don't think this stuff's working for me. Can I, can you schedule me an appointment to meet with a therapist? And she's going to have no shame. Mm-hmm. She's going to be okay with it because it's normalized. It's yeah. Normalized. Oh, I talk about it openly all the time. Yeah. Your, your son's same thing, you know, and even their friends, they're going to be like, oh, you know, whoever's dad, you know, Nick, he, he knows he he's okay talking about this. stuff. maybe I can talk to him and, you know, I can't really talk to my dad, but maybe I can talk to your dad and mm-hmm. your kids can be like, yeah, come talk to my dad. You know, he's, he's cool with it. You know, um, he's smart. He can help you. And then, you know, you play a role, you talk to their parents and maybe get, you know, it just becomes more normalized. It's all about talking about it. Just yep. got to talk about it. Yep. I will straight up say, sorry, I can't, I have, I have a, a therapy session. And sometimes I get gun shy about saying the word therapy. So I switch it up and say counseling. I have a counseling session. I can't. Counseling, counseling is way more manly. Yeah. Totes. Um, gotta go to counseling. <laughs> um, gotta go counsel with my counselor. Yep. <laughs> but no, therapy, it's it's great. Talk therapy, it's amazing. And there's so many resources out there now. There's so many ways to go about it. You know, now yep. that the public health emergency is kind of over, it's ending. That all, a lot of it ends in May. That's when it's like all over. Mm-hmm. quote unquote over um you know it comes back and you can you know more in person more in person sessions these specialized clinics are starting to open back up like here we have a, a bereavement specialist um you know mm-hmm. whole unit that works strictly for bereavement and all these different units at these different therapy centers and counseling centers and whatnot these outpatient centers that all have these different specified things that are now starting to come back or they're you know, gaining steam or gaining momentum and it's becoming more and more normalized, but not nearly enough when it comes to, to men, dads, things like that. Because there's these generational stigmas that are still carrying over that are, it's going to take a lot for them to end, but, um, you know, it's, it's worth it. You know, it takes, you know, dads, dads of sons like yourself, you know, helping normalize it among him and his friends and, you know, the kids that, you know, the boys I interact with, you know, that sounds weird, but like coaching and mm-hmm. um, these extracurricular activities that I volunteer with at church and whatnot, you know, being open about it, talking about it, just being that person, whether it's at work or someone you're coaching or among these groups that you're in, you interact with constantly, being that person that's open about it, that can talk about it and just being that example because people will see, oh, hey, that's cool. He's another dad that's talking about it. I need to do that. Yep. Maybe I don't want to be like him, but I now I know his story and I can see what he's doing. And now I can do the same for myself and I have an idea where to start. So yeah, that's, it's, it's powerful stuff. You know, your story can easily become the blueprint for someone else. Um, how you overcome. And it's a really, it's a deep quote. I wish I could find it. I wish I had it ready, but um it's a really good quote it's like you know your story is going to become someone else's like roadmap for how they get through Mm. like what they go through so it's yeah i dig that definitely talk about it so all right 
Nick, is there anything that you want to end with here? Um, before you, you, you know, you wrap us up, give us your closing thoughts on all, all the things we talked about today. I have to know, does pineapple go on pizza? I feel like that is a question that usually gets either a definitive hell yes or a definitive hell no. There's really no one in the middle. We have one person in the middle. I'm I'm also a middle guy. Like if that's okay. Listen, I'll say this: if there's pepperoni pizza next to pineapple pizza, I'm taking the pepperoni. I like it better. If you order a pineapple, a Hawaiian style pizza, and that's the only pizza, I'm eating the pizza. Yeah, I'm not touching that pizza. I'm going back up to the counter. I'm ordering my own personal pan pizza. Um, That's fair. But yeah, man, wrap, wrap us up here. You know, between all these things that we talked about today, you know, being there for your kids, being present, you know, talking, finding support, not overthinking, you know, being a dad, doing these simple things. You know, I can definitely see why Bluey's dad wants to be you. But what's like, what's like this ending message for all of our listeners out there? One thing that you, you know, one big passion point to end us with. God, let's, I mean, let's just keep driving that home. Just don't overthink how to be there for your kid. Just be there for your kid. Literally just being there for your kid is the easiest base level ground floor to do. A, just be there. And then if you really, really want to be there, just do things with them, talk to them openly. Um, the next tier after that is getting yourself help, finding out who you are and finding out how you can fix yourself and be better. And, and that will definitively make them better. But yeah, just don't overthink it and just literally be there. <laughs> Borderline base level, be there. Be there. I love it. I love it. All right, listeners. Well, Nick, thank you so much for being on tonight. This has been fun. It was great having you. Lots of great stuff, you know, we talked about here today. And so definitely, you know, just be there. Show up and, you know, don't overthink it. It's not as hard as it's made out to be. Don't overthink it. And if you want to find Nick, you can find him over on Instagram at dad, D-A-D-D-I-N-G-G-R-E-A-T-L-Y. Find Nick over there. You can message him, talk to him, hit him up, follow him. Uh, support him over there. Um, obviously, he's a great dude, or he wouldn't he wouldn't be here tonight. So, thank you again, man. Definitely appreciate it. And to all our listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you share this with a friend. Share it with a dad that you love and care about. Share it with your neighbor. Share it with a coworker. Uh, listen to it on your way to work again tomorrow with in your morning carpool. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week.